Turn with me, 2 Kings chapter 18. If you'll remember in our last lesson, we've seen the northern kingdom's demise. They will be no more. They've went into captivity. They've been carried away. We're going to see that rehearsed here again as we look at the southern kingdom. As we open up, you're going to see the rest of Kings is all about the southern kingdom. There is going to be an attempt. Now listen to me. I want you to understand this because there's going to be an attempt here with Hezekiah and Josiah to bring reforms, to get people to turn because these other bad kings, Ahaz and Manasseh, Hezekiah's, Hezekiah's uh, son, they're going, to, they're going to destroy the kingdom again. And there's going to be all these attempts to try to reform and come back to God. Listen, you can't do it. You have to surrender to God's work. So you can't come back to God in the flesh. You have to come back to God in the spirit. And even the, nor the northern kingdom, they never know more. The southern kingdom is following them. And all of us trying to follow God, trying to follow God without the spirit of God, we will end in the same place as no more. We'll end in death. There has to be a surrender, not a working out in our flesh, but a looking to God's provision of Jesus Christ. Always have to do that. We're going to see kings trying to restore the nation. They're going to do it by tearing down and doing some good stuff. But I don't know that they're doing it by looking to the work of God. They're trying to restore worship. And I just want you to be aware of that. That so often people go, well, I'm trying to serve God. Well, I'm trying to do this. And that becomes the problem. We try to do it in the flesh. We get war out. And we're not just resting in the spiritual work that's already done and asking the Spirit what we should be doing. And what should we be doing? Abiding, continuing, and remaining. Histamai. Because the Word, the blood, all of God's Word, or all of God's work is already perfectly available. And it has the ability to save you, to cleanse you, to get you across the finish line, to prepare you as the bride. And all we have to do is rest in that. And again, like we were just talking in our memory verse, contend for the faith by speaking the truth in love. And we're going to see this in this text also that it's still going on. They contend, they fight, they, they have good kings and bad kings. The two notable ones, again, Hezekiah and um, Josiah. But... They end up going about 140 years, I think, later. I don't have no numbers before me. I think it's about, they last maybe 140 years before they go into captivity also. Um, so we'll just cover about 12 verses. That will take us a minute, though. But let's just begin as we see. Now listen to me. What do we see? We see the southern tribe, which is just, it, it, it's really uh, a Judah but it's, it's, it's a lot of Benjamin, too, that's hanging out with Judah and didn't go with the northern tribes. It's now been taken away. Like I said, we'll rehearse that again. We've seen it in chapter 17. We're going to see it a second time here in the last three verses of uh, eight, or the last, uh, I think it's um, 9, 10, 11, and 12. But by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. So God gives it to you more than once. In fact, you see it three times all the time in the Bible. It's just a repeat of the same thing. And, and, and we're so hard-headed. We think, 
Well, this is really hard to understand. No, it's the same thing that was said before. God's wanting us to surrender to him by faith and follow him. Trust in him and stop trusting in self. Stop trusting in what we want to do. Stop trusting in our reforms. Well, if I start reading my Bible three times a day and I walk upside down, and then by the time I'm, I'll be fine. No, it's not your works. It's Christ's works. It's God's provision. We're going to see that because we begin to worship the provision instead of the God of the provision. And we'll see that in the text. Now it came to pass. Aren't you really happy that it came to pass? Listen to me. It may hurt. It may be bad. It, it, it may be devastating you right now. But even what you're going through right now, a year from now, is going to pass. Not completely. You might still have scars and wounds and, and, and things going on. But it will pass. You will get through it because God is a faithful God. He'll walk you through it. You just got to keep your eyes fixed on him. Whether it's sickness or death, whatever's going on in your life, it's not going to be the same next year. You can grow in God and go with God even when the storms seem to be turning your boat over. God is still there. So it came to pass. I can't ever stop there. I, I mean, I can't ever just read over that line. I never can. I don't know if you guys have been with me for a while. So I'm now he tells me, in the third year, in the third year, Oshea, in the third year, Oshea, that, you know what that means? That's Hoshea. That's in case you get answered on the job, Oshea. Oshea, <laughs> deliverer. It means salvation. Listen to me. This is deliverance from the sin nature in the third year. These numbers all mean something. Not going to go there. The son of Elah, which is an oak. Stand strong. You'll become an oak of righteousness. King of Israel, those governed by God, that Hezekiah. Listen to his name. Boy, these mean something. Hezekiah means uh, Jehovah is my strength. Strengthened by Yah. Listen to me. The names mean something. The son of Ahaz, which Ahaz means possessor, or he has grasp. Ahaz was a bad king. They don't survive from the stuff that Ahaz did. King of Judah, which means praise, began to reign. Hezekiah began to reign. Now, actually, his dad was still on the throne when he began to reign, kind of for about a few years. Uh, Verse 2, he was 25 years old when he became king, Hezekiah, uh, and reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, teaching peace. His mother's name was Abi, A-B-I, or Abijai, we're told in 2 Chronicles 29.1. It means fatherly or my father. The Second daughter of Zechariah, excuse me? 2 Chronicles what? 29, 29.1. 29.1. And Zechariah remembers, listen, remember what that means? Anybody remember? That's, a, that's your hint. Zechariah from Luke 1. God remembers. Jehovah remembers. Remember that? Yeah, Elizabeth means his oath. Yeah. God remembers his oath. So verse 3. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Check that out. That's cool. That's amazing. 
course, David means beloved. And in the sight, in the eye of God, God's watching. Now look at four. He did all that was right. Yeah, look at four. He removed. He took away. He put away the high places. Nobody had ever done this. None of the kings ever done it. Hezekiah is the first one. Now, what does it mean when he took them away? Listen to me. He did not allow the people to worship at the high places. He did not allow it. See, all these other kings, they want to keep the people happy. So they allow the people to do whatever they want to do. But Hezekiah come in and he said, no, we're not worshiping there. We are not going to forsake the law and praise the wicked but we are going to keep the law and contend with the wicked. So no worshiping at the high places. Proverbs 28 and 4. He said no worshiping. He put them away. The high places, which is the uh, Obama. I mean, it's Obama to be high or elevated. A high place. Um, then he broke down the sacred pillars. He, he crushed them. He destroyed the sacred pillars, which if you'll remember, it was the groves. It's the groves where they had all these poles standing up and they worshipped uh, Baal and Asherah, his female counterpart. And quite possibly, these are phallic symbols. I, I, the Asherah poles are phallic symbols because they always wanted to worship the god of fertility. Because they wanted crops. They wanted their children to grow. So we're worshiping all these things that we think bring growth, but they really bring death. Can you see that in our culture today? We're worshiping all these schools of intelligentsia. We're worshiping all these things about, about corporate ladders. We're worshiping all these things that make us have a sense of earthly prestige and wisdom. But they're all earthly, sensual, and demonic, and they put God second. So they become high places. They become sacred pillars. They become things that we think that we get a reputation with, but they really bring death. Hezekiah, when he, his name means Yah is my strength, or strengthened by Yah. When we put God first, when he is our strength, when we're worshiping him, then them other things we don't find our strength in them. We don't find our identity in them. We don't find our hope in them. We don't find our life in them, but we truly find life because we're trusting in God. Look what he did. It's going to tell you exactly what Hezekiah did, how he did this, how he contended with the evil that forsook the law. He removed the high places. He broke down the sacred pillar. He cut down the wooden image, which I believe is the phallic symbols, and he broke in pieces the bronze brass this is judgment serpent that Moses had made remember that we're going to look at it let's look at it numbers 21 he broke it in pieces see listen again God's provision and I like we looked at this on Sunday because we were in John chapter 2 and Jesus said if I be lifted he said just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the wilderness if I be lifted up, I will draw all peoples to myself. Because he's here for peoples. He's not here for anything else. So numbers, you have this context. Numbers 21.1. We're going to do it again. If you were here on Sunday, you'll hear it again. The repetitiveness is the best teacher. God repeats himself over and over and over. He says, did you hear my voice? Did, did you surrender? Are you asking me to wash you and cleanse you? Are you following me? They're in the wilderness, the, the king of Arid, 21-1, the Canaanite, 
who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Athrium. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoner. Going on in the church today. So Israel made a vow with God. That's our marriage vow. We make a vow with God <clears throat> to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Listen, that's speaking of us utterly surrendering, standing in the blood of Jesus, justified, and saying no to the flesh, turning our hearts away from forsaking the law, but beginning to contend. And the Lord listened. He's always going to hear that, that heart that surrenders to him. And the voice of Israel, he listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities. Uh, so the name of that place was called Horma, which means uh, utter destruction. Then, what happened, Greg? They journeyed. They're still going. They're moving. They're going where? To the promised land that God had promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey, from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. They're not going to fight with their brothers. And the soul of the people became discouraged on the way. They became impatient. Listen, that's what happens. You have need of endurance. You have need of patience. You have need of being able to wait on God to prepare you for the next battle, to prepare you for heaven, to prepare you for the next one you're going to witness to. We have need. And they were discouraged. <clears throat> Not encouraged by God and his word, but they were discouraged because they didn't like what was going on. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through pain. You're going to go through suffering. This is the part of life that everybody goes through. It rains and shines on the just and the unjust. And the people did what when they got discouraged? They spoke. Instead of witnessing of Jesus, they or witnessing of God's provision, of witnessing of God's goodness, they spoke against God and Moses. Listen, when you complain, you're speaking against leaders, you're speaking against gods, you're saying, I'm not content with what's going on. God knows exactly what's going on with your health. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. God knows exactly what's going on with your job. God knows exactly what's going on with the car in front of you. God knows exactly what's... Listen, he knows. So we have to say, Lord, what is going on? How do I deal with this? Can you give me wisdom? How do I stand? I know that you're able. It's me where the fault is, carrying this flesh around. <clears throat> Why have you brought us... This is what they said against God and Moses... Why have you brought us up out of Egypt? To us, that's the world. To die in the wilderness? The wilderness would be on the way to heaven. God brought us up out of the world. Give us salvation so we could die on the way. Of course not. He's able to keep all that's been given to him. Not one was lost except for the son of perdition. For there is no food, complaining about what they're eating. There's no water, complaining about what they're drinking. And our soul loathes. Notice it's a soul. That's what God came to say. This worthless bread. You know that bread was called manna. It means what is it? That bread was a type of Christ. Christ said, I was the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bride of life. And look what their soul is doing. It's loathing and calling it worthless. 
That's why you know I encourage people to get into the word prayer and fellowship. I've had people get mad at me and say, you preach the same sermon every week, and your answer to everything that's going on in my life is the word. And I'm like, yeah, the word, prayer, and fellowship, that's it. That's what the early church does. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what God's using. That's his prescription. And they get mad and not want to come to the church anymore. They get, they can get grounded in the word that way. That's a good thing. It is. And we begin to say that the word is worthless. Isn't that death culture? They're killing the word of God. They're saying it's worthless. That's what they said. Listen to me. That's what they said to Lot. They said, you get out of here. We're going to take, we're going to have a way away with you too. You come into here and you set it to city gates and you won't shut up and we're going to have our way with you. That's what they're saying to the church now. We don't want to hear what you have to say, church. We don't want to hear the word of God. We don't want to hear the bread of life. And God has given them up, given them over. They don't want to retain the bread of life. They don't want to retain the word of God. And they're being judged for it. So the Lord does what? He sends fiery serpents. He allows the devil to have his way and bite them all. Gives them over to what they've been pursuing. God sent them. Notice that. That's not they just happened to be there. God sent them. And let them bite them. Among the people. And they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. That word means governed by God. Many people governed by God dies. They go to sleep because they won't surrender to God. They won't obey God. They don't want to observe God. They don't want to learn his word. They don't want to do anything. So God takes them home. He lifts them up. Therefore, the people came to Moses. Did I say Moses meant one drawn out? So the people came to Moses. They realized when they started dying, when they realized that they were being bitten, when they realized they were having issues, guess what? At least they came to one that was drawn out. And they said, we have sinned. That's called changing your mind. That's called confession. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. And they came and said, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Notice they knew where to come, what to say, what to do. And they didn't say, Moses, you deal with it. They said, pray to the Lord. They knew who could take the serpents away. They knew the truth. And so they got right. They heard the voice of God. They seen what was going on. They repented. So what did the Lord do? Verse 8, new beginnings. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. The pole is a type of the cross. If I be lifted up. See, Christ said, if I be lifted up on the cross. But it's really God's provision we're going to see here. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, and we're all bitten. We were all bitten by Adam's original sin through the serpent. When he looks at it, where are you looking at today, people? Are you looking unto Christ, the author and the finisher of your faith? Are you looking for his glorious appearing? When you look at it, you shall live. Do you have life because you're looking at Christ? Yes, God's provision. So Moses made a bronze, bronze is judgment. That's what Jesus did, took our judgment on the cross when he was lifted up, his perfect life. He made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole. He did exactly like the instruction, and so it was. 
If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Listen, you want to live? Look at God's provision for the sin nature. Look at God's provision for your grumbling and complaining. Look at God's provision for you talking about leaders. Listen, we're commanded not to even talk about Joe Biden. The Bible tells us to pray for him. The Bible tells us not to be speaking evil of a leader. Now, I understand that it means leaders in the church, but it also means you want to deal with your rebellious heart that is against authority. Because the problem is, is that we are against the authority in our life. The problem is we are against authority in the word of God. And we have to stop being rebellious against the authority in our life. And surrender to God's word. So this is where we see. But now what do we got in our text in 2 Kings 18? Is that in the Hezekiah's reforms where he's telling the nation no more worshiping that way no more forsaking the law no more just doing what god said not to do we're going to turn now why would he say all of this is it possible that he's seen what happened with the northern kingdom and their golden calves and their apostasy and he's seen that their nation was headed the same way because of his father ahaz which was one of the worst ones in the southern kingdoms because of what Jehoshaphat had done, because of what the other kings had done in marrying into this golden calf worship, that he's seen that God had had enough. And he gave the entire northern tribes, all ten of them, over. And he said, you know what? Wow, i got to learn from this example. I need to lead these people right. And I need God to be my strength because this is the reforms we need to take. And you can read more about this in... Uh, 2 Chronicles 29 and 30, I think. Isaiah 27 through, I forget, I got a note. Isaiah 27, I think it starts talking about because Isaiah and Micah are prophesying and helping him in this time. Where is it? Isaiah 37, 38, 39, I think, has got it. You can see what, what, what is going on as Isaiah gives counsel to Hezekiah. I'm not going to go to all them places. He takes this Nehushtan means bronze stain or brass stain. This snake, they're worshiping it now. See, that's what's going on in the church today. We worship the cross. We put them on our neck. We worship these relics. But we're not worshiping the God on the cross. Listen, it's not the cross. The cross was just the implement of death. Just like the snakes were the implement of death. You don't worship the snake. You don't worship... You worship God. And the Bible says no one comes to the Father except through the Son. Well, what's the point? We're supposed to be worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. We're worshiping God, not the relics, not the implement of death. We worship God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we do it in spirit and truth. And we've gotten all off base and all apostate, and there needs to be some reforms and hezekiah turns and his strength is the lord his strength is not the cross his strength is the lord he's looking to god by faith for provision and it actually even says that here in a minute where's it at in verse five are we there yet so he tears up this thing called nehushtan the brash thing The children of Israel are burning incense to it. You see that in four, verse 4? Mm -hmm. Verse 5. 
he trusted, there it is, in the Lord. In everything that he did, he trusted in the Lord. What are you trusting in? Listen to me. What are you trusting in? You guys know that 1 Kings starts with talking about building the temple and then the plans of the temple. You know what 2 Kings ends with? The destruction of the temple. God was trying to right worship, and because we have no ability to obey the law, all we can do is look to God and trust in God. All we can do is find our strength in God. If we try to do it ourselves, the temple is going to get destroyed. And we are now the temple of the living God. We have to surrender, be led by the Spirit, and obey His Word, and not say this loathsome bread. This is the bread of life. Trusted means to hide for refuge. That's what Hezekiah did. You hide in Christ for refuge. You hide in his word. You're hiding in his salvation. It means to be confident or sure. It means to be bold. You can be bold in Christ. The righteous are bold as lions. And it means to hope in Christ. That's what this word trusted. Look what it said, verse 5. He hoped in the Lord God of Israel. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. He hid in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were before him. Isn't that amazing? Does that mean that he was a better king than David? It says, nor were before him. Were Pretty the interesting. There before? Huh? Were the high places there with David? Just an interesting text. Yeah, they were always worshiping. Flesh will always do that. It's verse 6. What did he do when he trusted? And, and why would we have this commentary? The Holy Spirit would write that there was none before like him or after him. For he held fast. He clung to. It mean, it, 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 I think it's uh, clave. C-L-A-V-E. You know, like the past tense of cleave. Isn't that what you do with marriage? You leave and cleave. So we leave this world and we cleave to Christ. That's the marriage that we're looking at. And as we cleave, he makes us like him. As we cleave, he washes and cleanses us. As we cleave to him, he's going to get us to the other side. As we trust in him fully by faith and make him our strength and we hide in him, we are finishing that marriage cling to, adhere to, abide, pursue, be joined to. These are all words for marriage. This is what Hezekiah did. He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, his authoritative prescriptions, which the Lord had commanded Moses. What did he do? He kept the law. He kept the law, right? What is our scripture memory verse? Proverbs 28, 4. Forsake not the law. I can't remember. Anybody know what it was? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Those who forsake the law are yeah. the wicked, but those who keep the law okay. contend with it. 
Yes. Yeah, that's it. Those who forsake the law. You got See, that's what the northern tribes did. That's what the northern tribes did, was they forsook the law. And Hezekiah is contending with it. He's trying to do the reforms and listen to God and trust in God, hold fast to God. He's being married to God. He's clinging to him, joined with him. He's following him according to the law. Look at the text. It's the same line we just preached with them. We, we want to do it according to the law, or we have no roadmap. Not saved by it. He's trusting in the Lord. He's following the Lord. But he has a roadmap of the law to do it with. The Lord was with him. Isn't that cool? And prospered wherever he went. Now that's that word again for, for Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Do you want the bread of life? Do you want the law of life, the instruction? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What witnessing? It's in my mouth. I'm eating it. I'm sharing it. That's what you do with bread. But you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous. Then you shall be good success. Here is that word. Because he kept following God, because he listened to God, because he clung to God and clave to him, it says that God, the Lord did. Who did? The Lord was with him, and then he prospered him wherever he went. So he didn't just stay hidden in the house. He went places, right? And he rebelled. What did he do next? He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Listen, his dad sold everything to Assyria. Remember, he went down to Assyria. Remember, he took the implements out of the temple and made new altars because of the king of Assyria. But now, where does Hezekiah get this? He's seen the destruction. He's seen the example. He's seen the judgment of God on the northern tribes. And he said, Lord, I want to cleave to you. And there's a case to be made. Assyria now was the second Asher, second son of Shem, right? And there's a case to be made that he's who, Michael? Type of Antichrist? Type of world government? Type of Satan. He's coming to take over everything. Assyria will run everything. He's a type of Satan. And the authority that lies and does not want you to follow God. But see, when you're following God, you're listening to God, you're cleaving to God, you're married to God. What do you do? You don't do what your fathers did. But you turn back to God and you do not serve Assyria. You do not serve the Antichrist government. You do not serve the devil anymore. Why? Because when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Wait a minute, let's do the whole verse. Submit therefore to God and resist the devil. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That's what we see in this marriage with Hezekiah who finds his trust in God, his strength in God, the reforms in God, and he doesn't look and respect man. He says, I don't care. You're not worshiping in the high places. We're tearing them down. And we're going to break up that bronze judgment thing that you're trying to worship and get you to turn and worship me in spirit and truth. These are the reforms that we need to see if we want to survive it's led by the Spirit of God, not by man, by the Spirit of God. What do you do next? Look at it. It's right there. It's in eight. It's in the number of new beginnings. 
He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. Now listen, Gaza wasn't even underneath Israel's reform, and he went and did it anyway. That was part of the other territory. And he's, he's subduing the Philistines. He started to kill the enemies. And he stepped over into an area that Assyria already ruled. And that's what gave it away. Hmm. Don't be afraid. You can trust the Lord. He's got it hidden everywhere. Hidden manna. For you to search out and find and eat and sup. Um, fellowship with verse 9 and it came to pass there it is again it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah which was the seventh year of Oshea of salvation oh my goodness I'm a, I'm a pop. The son of Elah, the oak, king of Israel, governed by God, that Shalmanazar, king of Assyria. Who is that? Oh, he's fire worshiper, Shalmanazar. That's his name. That's what it means. Fire worshiper. That's all he's going to worship is the fire of hell. Shalmanazar, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besiege it. Now we're going to rehearse what we already seen in 17 for the second time. What does besiege mean, Pastor Grove? Attacked it. Oh, okay. Besieged it. They surrounded it. It I took them three years. Nothing good. It took them three uh, years to destroy it. I don't have it looked up, Ray, but it's a good word. It means they, they're attacking it. They're shooting at it. They're saying, we're going to stay out here and you're going to starve to death. They don't let the, 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 the food come in. You see that? That's what's going to go on in our world today. They're shutting down cattle. They're shutting down crops. They're shutting down the distribution lanes. They're shutting down everything. They're besieging the world and making the world depend upon them. Because whoever controls the food will control your life unless you're eating the bread of life. They will control your life. You can't just stand and go, I'm tough. You can't just stand and go, I live for Jesus. You have to trust in God because they're coming after us. And they're going to besiege us. And they're going to control those people who are not controlled by the Spirit and the Word of God. Listen to me. They will control them. You have to put your trust in God. Times are going to get rough. Food is going to be scarce. We're being besieged by one world government. God is allowing it. Verse 10. And at the end of three years, it took three years. They took it. Well, that just happened to be in the sixth year of Hezekiah. That is the ninth year of Oshea. Remember we said that he started and we seen that last week in the last lesson. He was in his ninth year as king of the northern tribes when God allowed him to be taken completely captive, never to be a nation again. Verse 11. Then the king of Assyria, fire worshiper, 
his name is Shalmaneser, carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in. Now listen to it. We're going to rehearse it again. We're getting it twice. You can listen to chapter 17 as we closed it. Listen to what it is. These three places, painful joining and cutting off. That's what they mean. He carried them away captive to Hala, which is painful. And by the Haber, which is joining. The river Gozan is a cutting off. That's what God allowed. It was painful. They were joining the world and they were cut off. The northern tribes were never a nation again. Why, Greg? Why would God allow that? To take them to the cities of the Medes. I didn't write down Medes. Remember what it means, Mike? Um, middle land, isn't it? Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Twelve. Why? Because they give us the reason. They did not obey the voice of the Lord their God. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Nothing has changed. What do you say? Well, it was written down as the law then. But it was still the voice of God, the word of God, the instruction of God, the doctrine of God, the statutes, the commandments of God. It was perfect. It was converting the soul. It was being used to rule the entire government of God and his people. Obeyed not is what it says in the King James. Listen to what it means. Listen to what obey means. New Testament and Old Testament, both. To hear intelligently with attention to obey. Listen, you don't just hear it and then go, ah, I'm not going to obey it anyway. That's the one who forsakes the law. When you hear it so that you can ask God to give you power through the Holy Spirit to obey it, that's the one that contends. These are very important understandings that we need to see about the Word of God. We're not here to look pious. We're not here to be pretenders. We're here to be contenders. Those that forsake the law praise the wicked. They make the wicked look like they're shining. They call evil good and good evil. But those who keep the law contend with them. Those who guard the law. They hear God's voice. And they obey and follow. But transgress. They did not obey the voice of the Lord their God. But transgress. There's that word. Transgress. Trans. It means to cross over. To turn away. Well what happens when you're transgender? You turned away. You crossed over. You're not who God said you were. You're not listening to God's voice. You're watching death culture. You're listening to the fire worshiper. And you transgress against God's word and his voice. And what he said is true. Marriage is a man and a woman. Listen to me. You're listening to the fire worshiper when you kill God's word and his voice in your life. And you will transition into another place. And it will not be life. And much of the church is doing it today. It's death culture. You might think it sounds good. You might think it looks good for society. You might think I'm being loving and kind. But when you transgress God's word and his voice, 
You are killing people right along with the fire worshipers, and that will be your home for eternity. Fire. They transgressed his covenant, and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, and they would neither, and they would neither hear nor do them. That's when he gives you up. You don't even hear him anymore. If you don't hear with the intention to follow, then you stop even hearing the voice of God. You stop even hearing the truth of God, and you're given over to your debased mind. You become a castaway, is what the New Testament says, which is one that's cast away. It's a piece of metal that's good for nothing. It's like the vine. You know, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man abide in me, and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then when you don't do it, you don't bear fruit. He casts you away into the fire. Because you ever take a little grape thing? You ever take that little, you ever think that you could build something out of that? It's good for nothing but holding fruit. That's us surrendered, bearing fruit, the new wine of Christ. That little grape cluster is good for nothing else but to be burned if it's not bearing fruit for God. If it's not doing it in the spirit of God, in the new covenant of God, and listening to the voice of God, and listening to obey, to follow, to tell others, then it's a forsaking of the law of God. It's a pretender, not a contender. Who are you? Are you a pretender or a contender? You have to surrender. Oh, I was supposed to keep going. We'll wait. We'll wait. Verse 13 is eight years later. Yeah, 14th year. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you that you would give us a desire to contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to the saints as Jude wrote. Lord, there's many things we can do, many things we can talk about, many things that we can help the poor but, Lord, if we're not contending for the faith that was once delivered to us by your word, by your power, by your spirit, for your glory, for such a time as this, the rest of it becomes filthy works which you don't even recognize. So, Lord, help us to contend. Help us to contend and expose those who forsake by just standing in the gap for others. Pour out your spirit upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.